my family, dysfunctional. My mother was an alcoholic cross-addicted with barbiturates. Um, you heard that they simply didn't support me in what I did. So it's always been the salmon swimming up the hill. I've also done the cancer dance three times. Notice I do not say I fought cancer because what you fight fights back. And I am not a survivor because I do a hell of a lot more than hang on by teeth and toenails. I am a cancer dancer. I found out how graceful I could be under pressure, avoided getting my toes stepped on and got off the dance floor. Be confident, be bold, be authentic, but don't forget to take action. This is Ordinary to Badass, where our stories empower women to step into the spotlight of their own lives and pursue what they're truly passionate about. It's time to step into the arena and become more than just extraordinary. It's time to become a badass with your host, Marie Sonneman. Welcome to Ordinary to Badass, episode number 241. In this episode, you're going to hear from Corby Metlide. Corby is a psychic medium, and she's also an author and certified tarot master. So this episode, so entertaining, so good. Like Corby has humor to make you laugh, but then she's also dropping these huge value bombs. So definitely an episode that you want to listen to because it's going to keep you fully engaged. Welcome to Ordinary to Badass. Whether you're ordinary or badass, I'm glad you're here. Today's guest is Corby Mitleid. Corby, thank you so much for being here. Glad to have you on the show. It's great to be here. Thanks for asking. So before we go any further, I've got to ask you, do you consider yourself yeah. ordinary or badass? <laughs> oh, my darling. Um, <laughs> I have not been ordinary since I was a child in single digits. I mean, everybody in my family was medical. Dad was a doctor. Mom was a nurse. My brother is a doctor. I was an actress. I was a writer. I could have stood on the dining room table and tap danced and recited Shakespeare. They wouldn't have seen me. <laughs> so now. Where do you think that came from? Uh, well, it's, that depends. Um, if you're looking at the uh, psychic view, probably past lives. If you're looking at here, I, words have always been my drug of choice. I don't like blood, so I wouldn't have done well in medicine. And I'm one of those thinkers that I don't go A to B to C to D. I go A to Z to green to Paris. <laughs> and so something like that is always going to be outside the mold. I was lucky enough that it was strong enough in me that I was not going to take anything that people said I had to do. Like dad wanted me to be a lawyer. I hate lawyers. Sorry, I've worked for him but can't stand them. So whereas everybody else in my family went to college, you know, graduate school, um, most of them are wealthy and they have kids, et cetera. Not me. I quit Brown University after two years because I wasn't getting what I needed from there. I've been married three times to very, very short. And this one is coming up on 20 years. Bless the man. 
Um, I've had a very checkered career, actress, author, inspirational speaker, video producer, legal assistant, writer for the graphic novel series, ElfQuest, executive recruiter. But for the past 20 years, I've done my passion, which is certified tarot master, psychic medium, past life specialist, international clients, books, radio, television. Some of my family still won't even tell people I'm a psychic because they think it's what a charlatan does and I steal people's money. You can't do what I do and read a thousand people a year and have my rep if you're a fake. So I just look at them and say, thank you for sharing. You may think that if you wish and I go live my life. What else can you do? So how do you push past or overcome the haters or people that doubt what you do? Um, for a while, it was hard in the beginning because when you're putting yourself out there for doing this full time, it's, oh my God, am I going to get it right? But for me, I take my work seriously, me not so much. You are never going to have everybody who loves you. But when somebody gets nasty or, you know, just does the, there is a wonderful Yiddish word, it's called a grisha. That's when you stick in the knife and you twist it to make sure it's really good. I just, put in my head what I call the duty head defense. And I look at them as if they were a four-year-old who's really mad at me and they're going, you are such a duty head. It's the worst thing they can say. Is it going to affect me? No. So you just look at them and you go, okay, when you're done, let me go. <laughs> um, you know, there, there's the old idea. If you don't react to a bully, they'll eventually go away, which is true. And there are 8 billion people in the world. Not everybody's going to love me or what I do. Fine, live and be well. There are people that need me. I have seen the difference I have made. I know that doing this work, I get to get up in the morning. I don't have to get up in the morning. That's the whole difference. It really is. So good. I know this conversation. I'm already excited about it. I know it's going to be great. But before we dive deeper, will you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, now there are actually two elevator speeches. Uh, let me give you the psychic one first. Uh, I read a book when I was nine called The Witch Family. And instead of thinking, ooh, that's scary or ha, 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 I thought, and your point is, knew there was magic in the world, wanted to go find it. Fast forward to 1973 when I was a senior in high school. And yes, darlings, that does tell you how old I am. Um, they had the James Bond 007 tarot deck and I bought it because we were all hippies then. You had your elephant bell bottoms and the fringe jacket and the deck. So for about 20 years, I read for friends. I was fascinated about the stories that the cards could tell. All of a sudden in the early 90s, I could do hands-on healing and talk to dead people, which was when the universe was handing me my draft notice and saying, hello, you're working for us. Part-time until 9-11, as my husband and I watched the towers burn, I turned to him and I said, I need to do that work full time. People need to know there are other answers out there. He said, I believe in you, go do it. So for another year, I worked 70 hours a week uh, for a firm where the CEO threw files at my head if she didn't like what I was telling her. Doing the psychic work on the side, any chance I could get. As soon as I knew that I could really make a living at it, kick the door shut on corporate and I have never looked back. My family, dysfunctional. My mother was an alcoholic cross-addicted with barbiturates. Um, you heard that they simply didn't support me in what I did. So it's always been the salmon swimming up the hill. I've also done the cancer dance three times. 
notice I do not say I fought cancer because what you fight fights back. And I am not a survivor because I do a hell of a lot more than hang on by teeth and toenails. I am a cancer dancer. I found out how graceful I could be under pressure, avoided getting my toes stepped on and got off the dance floor in one piece. That's how I teach. It's all about the examined life, thinking like a Martian and asking three important questions in any situation you're in. Those are my three keys. So tell me more about this thinking like a Martian. <laughs> okay. Um, it's a non-judgment kind of thing. If you were sitting with me, Marie, and you had water coming out of your eyes, I would probably look at you and say, why are you crying? But I could be wrong. Now imagine you're a Martian and you have been assigned to come down to planet Earth and investigate humanity and you've never been here before, but you're so excited. So you get out of your little spaceship and they would toddle up to you and they go, why is there water coming from your eyes? And the Martian could maybe get a better answer because maybe you have allergies or maybe your contact lenses are bugging you or maybe there's an emotional basis. So when we act like the happy Martian detective and we only ask instead of judging, miracles open up. My favorite story for this, there was a guy who was married, he had a kid. He was in a bad car accident they put him back together, but his face basically looked like spin art. Very embarrassed, kind of walked around like this all the time, but still married with a kid. So one night he's putting his daughter to bed and she takes his face and she smooshes it next to hers. And she goes, this would be a good picture, but it would be better if mommy's face were in the picture. Now, old him would have thought, even my daughter thinks I'm hideous and how much PTSD for decades. Instead, he knew to think like a Martian and look at her and say, why would it be a better face, a better picture if mommy's face were in the picture? She just looks at him and says, because mommy can't hold the camera still and you take good pictures. Boom. One question avoided decades of pain and trauma. Now, not every time you're a Martian are you going to get that kind of dawn breaks over Marblehead moment, but it's going to make a difference in your life. I guarantee it. So it sounds like words are important to you because I've heard I you said say words are my drug of choice yes indeed <laughs> but what kind of difference do the words we say what kind of difference do they make in our life being more intentional about our words it's important because words have energy and this is not fluffy bunny stuff but they do um if I say we have a problem problem makes it sound like it's going to be an argument. If I say we have a challenge, that makes it more inclusive. We have a challenge. How are we going to work with it? Um, example, if one, one of the things that I talk about is getting clear in relationships. And let's say you live in a small house like us. And so there isn't really enough closet space and you find your stuff is on the floor all the time. The problem way to deal with it is go to your partner and say, you're a real closet pig. You expect my stuff to be on the floor? Instead, we have a real challenge in this place because I know there isn't enough space. Is there a way that we can figure out how my clothes don't end up on the floor all the time? It's not accusatory, it's we're team. Words are magic. It is why 
I mean, go way back 40 years to Ronald Reagan, they called him the great communicator because he was able to put things in verbal pictures for people. Whereas a lot of the politicians at the time, it was very much, if you remember the old Charlie Brown specials, the adults go wah, 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 but you don't hear them. So if you can craft your words and they don't have to be Shakespeare, but so that people understand them, you're going to have people more willing to work with you. You're going to be misunderstood a lot less often. You know, there are a lot of people that have written self-help books that are so jargonful. And then there's someone like Wayne Dyer. I have often said that I want to end up being um, the female Wayne Dyer along with Swami Beyond Ananda, that's Steve Behrman, who is a comedian but gets the home truths to you really clearly. Basically put them together and I'm funny as hell, but normal enough you could borrow my lawnmower. That's my goal. Um, so yeah, if you can find a way to craft your words clearly with non-judgment, but accurate, you're gonna get an awful lot farther in the world. It is why I do what I do with my own work. There are a lot of what I'll call glurpy purple with angel psychics. Hi, I'm little dancing raccoon and here's my friend, Arctic Bear. And they start jargoning about all kinds of metaphysical slogans. You're not gonna get it. Whereas with me, I put it on the table. You are gonna laugh, but it's simple. It's every day. Communication is one of the biggest ways you can be badass without making people think you're a bitch. That's the alchemy right there. So I would love to dive in a little bit about being a psychic and what type of people, and I don't know that there isn't, there is even a type of people, but what type of people typically come to you? And then what are they usually searching for? Okay. I do what I call four things. The everyday tour bus, past car, job, kids, finances. Okay, gotcha, put me here, now what? Past lives, who was I in 1642 Belgium? Or I wanna to speak to my spirit guide Binky or how dead Aunt Mabel. I mean, that's what I do, it's very simple. A lot of people who come to me need that everyday tour bus. We have been raised in an atmosphere of we don't know what to do. That's why there are so many self-help books. But I don't tell them what to do. I'm very practical. It's here are your opportunities and how to grab them. Here's the tough stuff. Here's how to get through it and around it. Here's your toolbox. Go rock and roll. And I teach people, don't ask yes or no. Ask empowering. What does that mean? If you came to me and said, I want to open up a vintage clothing store, will I be successful? I'd look at you over my glasses and say, and what if I said no, and you're going to lose everything and live in a box under a bridge? It's the wrong question. So I have a multi-card entrepreneur spread. You, the energy around the business, the brick and mortar location, how to market it, clients, competition, staff, finances, what you need to know and best possible outcome. That puts a rocket pack on your back. The typical question everybody gives me, I wrote about this in, in my book, The Psychic Yellow Brick Road, does Bruce love me? It's all romance. I'm not going to say yes or no. I'm going to say, here's you, here's Bruce. 
here's the relationship as it stands, what you need to know in best possible outcome. If they still say, I don't know, I'll say, fine, I'll give you the three threes. Three cards for status quo. You just kind of bumble along. Three cards for the come to Jesus meeting and there's serious counseling and you draw a line in the sand. Three cards for hostile bye-bye. It's been nice. I'll send you a postcard. You're out the door. Now, even if leave has the Beetlejuice blinking sign, I have to zip it. They must choose because it is their free will. If she says, well, I guess I'll stick it out. She's got karmic lessons to learn. I say, okay, fine. The only time I put my oar in, if you will, is if she says she's been battered, gaslit, she's afraid. Then the tarot cards get put away. My reverend collar gets put on and I counsel her about what she needs to do. But psychics that say you must do this, you are in danger if you don't do that. Um, they're just setting you up for buying a $600 blessed candle that'll fix everything and you know it won't. So the kind of person that comes to me is the one that wants to work with their own lives. If you come to me even once a year and I know we're going over the same stuff and I'm always giving you the same answer, after three years, I'm like a good bartender. I cut you off because you're wasting your money and my time. So that's where badassery comes in as a psychic. How has that helped you or changed your business when you're able to cut people off? Or I don't, I don't know if that's a good phrase, but if they're not a good fit. I simply say to them after that third time, you know, we've been doing this for three years and I keep giving you the same answers. I'm not your intuitive. Obviously, there's not really a connection. So I'm not going to read you again. And I wish you all the best. You know, I don't say to them, you idiot, get out of my booth. Yeah. But. The thing that I have noticed is if people listen and help, and they allow me to open them up to their own possibilities, their lives can change. Um, there was a woman I read a couple of weeks ago. She comes dancing into my booth and she says, do you remember I, that you read me four years ago? I said, I'm sorry. No, I read so many. She said, you told me this and this and this and this and this, and I acted on all of it. And now my life is totally different. So happy, new relationship, new job, boom. Did I do that? No. But she listened well to the session, which gave her permission to change her life in her own mind. That's how this works. If somebody's not going to a psychic, how can they start listening to themselves and their own intuition more? You have to learn to trust yourself, really. One of the things I tell people is I'm not special. You can do what I do. And it's absolutely true. Um, we are all wired like the same house plan. You could read cards. You could check in here. What you need to do is ask yourself, what am I ex about? Sad, depressed, angry. Why am I X about that? And the question we never ask ourselves, what do I think would happen if I stopped being X about that? When you get a hit to do something and you feel yourself knee-jerking, no, you ask those three questions. The only one who can stop us is us. A situation is a neutral. 
it's raining. Rain is neutral. Rain does not care. And you've got three situations. You've got a guy at the shore. Yeah, in Jersey, it's the shore. And it's going to rain for a week. His kids are with him. What are they going to do? You would think it's bad. I'm in my office writing and the cats are asleep. I look outside, eh, rain, neutral. The far farmers here in Schoharie County have had a two-month drought. They're out dancing in the mud. Rain, fabulous. So it's all the attitude. How can the two on either end change? The guy at the shore says, you know, kids, I've wanted to show you the Marx Brothers movies for a long time. We're going to do that. We're going to make a weekend out of it. He turns it around. There could be one farmer in Schoharie that says, damn it. If it had not rained for another two weeks, I could have gotten a big insurance payout. So he's negative. I'm still neutral. How we view things changes the situation. So I know there's a lot out there about positive thinking and a lot of woo-woo or uh, not even woo-woo, like bad advice, I'd say, um, mm -hmm. about positive thinking and just be happy or just be positive. How no, no, no. Biggest example I can give you is my third cancer bout. I had just been married a year and a half, finally, to the right guy. I had had cancer twice before, lumpectomy and, and radiation and some surgery. They were scarred, they were misshapen, but they were still there. All of a sudden, I get a second primary, turns the danger clock back to zero. But the doctor said, okay, three strikes, you're out. In three weeks, we're taking the rack, we're taking your ovaries. You're going from this Dolly Parton figure, literally, to a fat fire plug with permanent side effects in three weeks, suck it up. Now, did I go home and cry? Yes, I'm normal. But I knew I had to find three reasons to at least be okay with it. Didn't care how stupid the reasons were. Number one, you don't have them, you can't get cancer there. Number two, the top half is not gonna get slammed in the refrigerator door at the doctor's every year and every woman out there knows exactly what I'm talking about. Third, Implants, I'll be perky till I'm 93. That's cool. So when I went in with that attitude, it was a six-hour operation, double mastectomy and reconstruction. Walked out of the hospital in three days, shopped for a bathing suit in five. It's been 18 years. I'm clear. Okay. Um, for one thing, that attitude, man, I was not just a chart and a number to the doctors. I was a person. I went out with Jackson Pratt drains, which you have to after you've had breast surgery. And I named them Harpo, Chico, Zeppo, and Groucho. And when my plastic surgeon would call me, she'd say, how you doing? I'd say, you know, everybody's fine, but Zeppo, she'd know exactly which one it was. And to this day, even though she's moved to Chicago, there is a very warm relationship because I was not only the patient who was compliant, but I was an example to her interns how to work with a patient. I was able to teach others how to do the cancer dance. So positive thinking is not, like I say, glurpy purple with angels, sunshine and unicorn farts. It is not, but it is. How do I want to deal with this so that I'm not drowning in the tar pit of the pity party? That is the way positive thinking needs to go. It's for you. It's not for the universe. And how, how has it helped you? For one thing, it means that um, I can teach my clients very well. It has also helped me get out of my own story because I'm going to tell you right now, 
If you say stay stuck in an old store, you will not grow. There are women, for instance, who had cancer in 2011 and they still say, hi, I'm Mary Sue and I'm a cancer survivor. Still at the top of the brain. I do not introduce myself to you and say, hi, Marie. I was the 1973 Betty Crocker homemaker of tomorrow for New Jersey. I was, but it's not who I am now. So stories are important, but you don't read the same book all the time. You put it on the shelf. That's part of the positive thinking. Positive thinking is there's more for me ahead. So I don't have to stay stuck here. This is not the only good thing that's ever going to happen to me or important thing or thing that I can tell people about. You want to be a badass? You grow. You grow so that people... One of the things I told you about is I wrote for a book called ElfQuest. It's graphic novel series, millions all over the world. And in there, you have two characters, Kavi and Cutter. And Kavi says to Cutter, my tribe follows me because I do what they expect me to do. Your tribe follows you because they want to. You inspire them. How does that work? And that's the difference. When you stop living your own story and you become one of those lights and examples to other people, especially remember, you can do what I do. You will get people to work with you. You will get people to support you. You will get people who say, I wanna be part of what you're doing. That's how you lead. So I'd like to pivot a little bit. I know that sure. you talked about um, cancer and how you got through that. I think a lot of times people see social media, they see how you are today and they're like, oh my gosh, Corby's a total badass. You know, everything just came easy to her. She was a badass from the time she was born. But can you talk about some of the hardships you've went through to get to where you are today? Oh, sure. Um, remember, I came from an upper middle class doctor's family. Um, I lived in poverty two marriages, one of which was physically abusive, rape. Um, a, a, having a, a very dysfunctional mother who was highly emotional abusive. And I believed for years that what she said about me was correct. And so from about the time I was 18 to about when I was 40, I lived what she told me I was worth which was nothing. I was not allowed to say no to any man who wanted me. I was always the one people would feel sorry for. I was always the one who had to give because nobody would want to give to me. And it took me decades to put that behind me. It's one of the reasons why, you know, I mean, like I said, family has multiple degrees. They're all well off to wealthy. And in a lot of senses, I'm still seen as the black sheep. Live and be well. I have a life that when I go skidding into heaven on bald tires and fumes in the tank, and God hands me a Red Bull and says, so I can say, I did all this. Isn't it cool? I have lived my sentence of passion. Your sentence of passion is the vapor trail you're going to leave behind in every encounter. And mine is cross the bridge from fear to fearlessness and fly. I've done it. And I can take people from point A to point B when they thought they couldn't make it and tap them on their shoulders and say, 
here are your wings. You don't need a flight plan now, get. So maybe I'm not a healer the way my brother is, my parents were, but I am a healer on a different level. And I have no regrets about my life. Was some of it tough? Hell yeah. Would I want to have to go through it again? Hell no. But if I like who I am now, I don't know what part of the pain I would be able to get rid of because I don't know what that carved in me that is so correct and useful now. Don't judge yourself and how your path was against somebody else's. They didn't have your karma. They didn't have your lessons. They're not going to be who you are. And that's fine. I love that. Don't judge your path against somebody else's. I think that's so important because it's so easy to start like comparing yourself to everybody around you and without really seeing the behind the scenes, you know, you don't know everything they Mm -hmm. went through to get to where they are. Mm -mm. No, you don't. No, you don't. So you mentioned the sentence of passion. How -hmm. would somebody come about finding their own or coming up with their own sentence of passion? Well, if you wanted to work with me, I have a great big session to do it, but In my book, Clean Out Your Life Closet, that's one of the very first chapters is getting clear on your purpose. Because that's the thing. Don't go to a psychic and say, what is my purpose? I haven't lived your life. I haven't dealt with your challenges. I don't know what your passions are. So here's some of the questions you can ask yourself. What has your life been about? What does that mean? If you've always had a roller coaster relationship with money, how has it shaped your idea of prosperity? Do you feel you're doomed to a marginal existence? Does it make you wildly frugal? Does it make you want to earn money at every expense? Does it make you want to simplify? Where does your happiness live? And that's things like how you take care of yourself, how how you cherish who you are. You know, with me, yoga pants, thank you very much. They're really comfortable. Then there's where do I find comfort? And that's not potato chips and video games. As I said, me, words are my drug of choice. I'm a right brain thinker. My beloved stepmother, Shirley, um, she was a landscape designer. She got her degree in her fifties. She was never as happy as when she was planting moss plugs in the backyard and tending the roses. Me, I kill plastic plants, don't make me do that. What crises changed my life? For me, it was the cancer. Did you live through Hurricane Katrina? Did you live through the Northquake, the Northridge earthquake? Did you lose your parents at age six? These will help you see how you met challenges, meet it, greet it, and beat it, as my father-in-law used to say. How do you learn or work best? That's Do you learn best seeing something done, hearing about it or doing it? Are you left brain or right brain? I don't care how good I could be or how much you pay me. You put me in a back office with data entry, I will die by inches. (laughs) No. And what do you want to be remembered for? Now, for me, now for some people, it's raising good kids. That's great for them. For me, it is I want to have helped people change their lives. Notice I'm not saying I want to change them and have them always laugh a little when they remember how I work for them. That's what I want. And if I have that at the end of my life, my life was a success. I don't care how much money I have. I don't care how many friends I have. I will have set my goal and met it at that 
is sufficient. So I know in your book, Clean Out Your Life Closet, you talk about the three-legged stool. Can you explain that a little bit? Yes. That is getting clear on your purpose, which we just talked about, getting clear in relationships and getting clear with spirit. Getting clear in relationships is learning how to work with them. You know, we talked about make it um, not personal sniping, but a challenge. There are things like two versus at. Are you yelling to somebody because you just need to be heard or yelling at them? Fix versus listen. Oh God, this is so important. A lot of us have partners that are fixers and we're ranting and raving about something and they keep saying, but what about, and have you thought? And you keep losing your train of thought because they keep interrupting and then you end up. Now my husband knows, bless him, when I'm stomping around and he says, okay, do you want me to help you fix this? Do you want me just to listen? And if I say, please just listen, he puts on the spiritual duct tape and just holds space. If I say, help me fix it, then we work together. Um, relationships, at least romantic ones, remember 60-60. What's that mean? Each partner goes a little bit more than halfway and it's the extra 10% that locks it. You know, remember, we were only married 18 months before the cancer came along. What was his 60%? He looked at me and said, am I going to miss them? Yeah, they were gorgeous, but I married you, not them. Right there, that was the lock. It was, don't forget to take care of yourself first. Old saying, you can't drink from an empty cup. And the more you do for others without doing for yourself, you will have subliminal resentment and exhaustion. And one day you're going to pop and they're just going to go, what? Because it was normal. So those are some of the things about getting clear in relationships. Getting clear with spirit. You know, I don't care if you're Christian, Jewish, Muslim, pagan, Buddhist, Hindu, believe in Ralph, the wonder dog. I really don't. With me, it's just know somebody up there loves you, wants the best for you, and is willing to work with you. Even if it's just pinpoint energy that hit the button that started the universe. When you realize that there are other energies that can support you, you don't feel quite as alone and you can work with those energies. They're not angels in tunics and wingies necessarily, but the universe is energy. Remember, science says energy is never lost. So if you can pull that energy down and work with it, that is spirit. And when we feel like we're not alone, we are more resilient. So that's what that's about. So how do we tap into that energy? You need to find a little time to get quiet. You know, meditation is not necessarily sitting on a zazen cushion, staring at a wall with your eyes rolled up. I can't do that. But it's being able to find a few minutes of quiet and just to breathe and relax. I know when I feel like I'm hydroplaning brain-wise, I go to YouTube and there are these two hour loops of fractals and mandalas that kind of just fade into each other. And I just make them full screen and turn the lights down. I just stare and let my mind take a breather. Some people, They'll go out and chop wood. They, they need to have active meditation, if you will. But that's, that's part of it. And, and it's belief. Please believe that you can find the peace inside, 
you can meditate, you can listen to your intuition. There's not one of us that hasn't at one point in our lives heard the phone ring and known who that was. That's your intuition waking up. That's part of that. So good. Corby, let's end with a tip to encourage women who are in the arena fighting for the life that they want. You deserve it. We are not given a wish like that without the chance to make it happen. Otherwise, it wouldn't go deep within us. You are allowed to succeed. You are allowed to choose your life. Anyone says, I don't want you to do that. I want to give you my two magic phrases. Thank you for sharing. You may think that if you wish. And the other thing, no is a fabulous idea. You're allowed to say no to what you don't want, to what you don't think you need to do, and to something you don't believe in. Don't be treating yourself as someone who has no rights. You absolutely do. And if anyone says you don't have rights, there's a door over there for them. <laughs> and if, can't, if you can't do that, then contact Corby. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll help you, honey. Trust me on that one. <laughs> so Corby, how can we connect with you? Oh God, you can't avoid me, Marie. Um, <laughs> Corby Midlight is the magic for everything. Website, CorbyMidlight.com. Patreon, Medium, YouTube, Instagram, Pinterest, all of that is, oh, and Twitter, Corby Midlight. The only one that isn't is Facebook, which is Fire Through Spirit. That's where I do my free reading hours once a month. Thank you so much, Corby. You've been a total badass and I've enjoyed hearing your story. Thanks. It was great to be here. Had a great time. And with that, we'll end our show. To all the badass women out there staying in the arena, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, own it and get after it. Okay, wasn't Corby great? She made me crack the heck up. I was laughing throughout that interview. But okay, five recaps from the episode. Number one, act like a Martian or a Martian detective. Ask questions without judging. Number two, when you get a hit to do something and then get a knee-jerk reaction that says you should stop or not do it, then ask yourself these three questions. What am I ex, like sad, angry, depressed, fill in with the emotion. What am I ex about? Why am I ex about that? What do I think would happen if I stopped being ex about that? So maybe what am I sad about? Why am I sad about it? What do I think that I would, what do I think would happen if I stopped being sad about that? Number three. Positive thinking is not sunshine and unicorn parts, but it is how do I want to deal with this so that I'm not drowning in a tar pit full of pity party. Ask yourself, what are three positive things about this situation that I'm in? Corby says how we view things changes our situations. Number four, live your sentence of passion live your sentence of passion, which is the vapor trail you're going to leave behind at every encounter. So the sentence of passion, how do you find yours? Ask these questions. What has your life been about? What is your happy place to live? 
Or how do you cherish who you are? Ask yourself, where do I find comfort? What crises have changed my life? How do you learn or work best? What do you want to be remembered for? And number five, don't judge yourself and how your path was against somebody else's. They didn't have your karma, didn't have your lessons. They are not going to be who you are, and that's fine. All right, tune back in on Thursday to hear three reasons why Corby Metlide is so badass. Can't wait to chat with you. Peace out. Now that you've listened to this episode of Ordinary to Badass, we want to hear from you. Go to our website, OrdinaryToBadass.com slash podcast and submit your own experience on how you took your life from ordinary to badass and get the chance to be on a future Spotlight episode of the show. That's OrdinaryToBadass.com forward slash podcast. While you're waiting for the next episode of the show, wipe off the sweat, dust off the dirt, and get back in the arena.